2: Football report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews. My co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going?
3: Yeah, it's going, it's going terrific. Uh, we've had quite a few big uh, news breaking items, and it's not going to be the last as we head right into cut down day. And I'm super excited for this guest who's here to help us make sense of all this.
2: Absolutely, yes. Joining us on the show today is Kevin Cole. You know him as a Rotoviz OG, uh, you probably. Heard his voice a lot on these airwaves if you've been a long-time listener. He is a data scientist for Pro Football Focus. Um, make sure you subscribe and listen to his new podcast, Unexpected Points, which discusses all things NFL. Follow him on Twitter, at Kevin Cole PFF. Kevin, how's it going?
1: It's going well. Uh, how are you guys doing? I'm glad to be here now. I'm sure we'll discuss this a little bit later, but uh, yeah, Roto-Viz was really my entree into you know, football analysis into using R, into learning how to do some programming into everything that has led up today to being at PFF. So wherever you are out there uh on the streets of California, uh fantasy douche, a shout out to, to you uh, being someone who led me in this path. Uh I appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad to see that everything is still strong and you guys are still holding down the fort over there.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Uh Come a, maybe a long way, but uh definitely trying to, trying to, uh, stay true to our, our roots as it were um yeah let's just get right into it the big news item that we have to discuss of course is on monday the jaguars waived leonard fournette so kevin why do you think the jaguars made this decision and do you think uh well where do you expect fournette possibly to land this year
1: yeah it, it's difficult to say for the jags but i think this is part of maybe a larger trend that we've seen with some teams we saw um some things that we didn't expect to happen because of the cap hits you'd have to take, like Antonio Brown a year ago, Earl Thomas this year, where teams, it seems like once they're fed up with someone, that they're more willing to just let them go. And there's also some talk behind the scenes about some teammates uh, maybe not being so happy with Fournette. So I think that's part of it from a value perspective. They, they, he's not going to bring that much to the team. They're changing the offense so much. It wasn't going to be the same offense where they just fed him incessantly on the ground and through the air. So I kind of think it's all of those different reasons. And he was suspended a couple of years ago. So my assumption is they're going to try to get out of the guarantees from that suspension, or they may have already done that. And he'll have to file a grievance to get back into it. So there's there's that aspect of it also. Um, as far as where it'll land, I mean, I joked about the Eagles, because I think it would just be funny to see all the Miles Sanders lovers who were the Fournette haters have to deal with that situation. But there's Chiefs talk out there, which it, it, it's funny because you know, our analytical types, we kind of piled on the chiefs for drafting a first round running back. So they could have draft a first round running back and bring in a former top five pick in the same off season, which just make football guys will just go crazy for that, for that off season, best off season by far. I just see it now coming across uh, an NFL network wire.
3: Yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. You mentioned that. Uh, I wanted to go back to your point about voiding the guarantees. So actually two years ago, the, uh, the Jaguars failed at voiding all of Leonard Fournette's rookie guaranteed money, um, they, and uh, Fournette filed a grievance, and the court, I believe, ruled in his favor. So this cutting him means they save like a like a lot less than what they initially did. I think they saved five million against the cap. Uh, this was a team that had uh, fairly bad blood with uh, with Fournette, which is a real shame because. Um, he seemed to be, yeah, I mean he wasn't the right pick at four. Uh, just just so people remember, the the Jaguars took Leonard Fournette ahead of uh two quarterbacks named uh Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Not sure if that would if either of them would have been a been a big upgrade over Blake Portals or Gardner Minshew, but hey, you never know, right? And so uh, you know, given given uh Fournette's uh projected workload at least for this season, he had uh, a fairly high ADP uh, as of the uh, FFPC um Redraft rankings, he, he he has an ADP of about 38.1, and he has about a standard deviation of 18.7. The earliest that has been taken all offseason was 22 overall, and the latest he was taken was last night about 160th overall. Um, I, I mean, this is a guy who the market had been getting slowly down on over the course of the offseason. And if you were a value-based drafter and you were buying him only for the sole uh, idea that this guy was going to see about Seventy percent of the touches. Well, one of the items that you needed to consider or at least factor in was the fact that there was there was a chance that there was enough bad blood between both Burnett and the team that he could have been a stealth IR candidate for you know when when the team fell out of contention by like week six or week seven, or or, or you know an outright release like this was within the cards. I, I think that the, the the probability of him actually seeing this workload through over the course of the season uh, was a lot l- slimmer than what the market had projected as. And I believe I'm looking across all my best ball teams. I think I have exactly a zero point zero 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 percent of him. How
1: about you guys? Yeah, it's funny because Fournette's a guy, I mean, for instance, I just did this expected points calculation, which is looking at, uh, you know, everything that you would have expected based upon the exact workload that he got. Um, and he was one of the, I think he was maybe even second or third as far as how many points you would have expected last year. So I think that was the attraction, right? The attraction was, you're all running back i mean if you could even you can even come at it from this analytical angle of say bad running backs are are running backs which means they're good also good running backs in a way because they they just you give them the ball and you don't know what's going to happen you can have Devonte freeman rookie season or you can have Devonte freeman 2015 you know so if he still got that same workload he was going to end up being there but yeah we saw so many signals over the offseason despite the fact that the the coaching may not have changed. The scheme was going to change. The coordinator changed. Chris Thompson came in. Uh, LaVisca Chenault is in there. They would have just been crazy to, to have run things the way they did. So, I mean, I get how you could have been attracted to that. And I think initially I had him ranked higher. But then when I started to get into drafts, I wouldn't take him. So then I knew I had to move him further down my ranks. And I think that may have happened for, for a lot of people that logically you could get there. But then once you start to really weigh him against the other options, it was difficult to pull the trigger.
2: Yeah, that's a good point on the expected points is something we've been looking at a lot too over the past uh well, you know, <laughs> for many years. I mean, one thing that at least had me kind of off for net is how even though he had those expected points, he underperformed them by so much. And what we see maybe more so a wide receiver than a running back is that players who underperform by a lot usually don't get that opportunity the next year. So, um, you know, even even if he were on a team, I think they're, you know, well, obviously we all think there are good reasons to fade him. Um, You mentioned some of the other guys in that backfield and also Chenault, who do you think stands to benefit the most from this?
1: Honestly, I think, um, I mean, I I guess we know Chris Thompson is going to be a thing, right? But like we didn't know that for sure. We kind of knew that. So I would say him as far as how they split out amongst the other options, whether they bring in anyone else, um, that's going to be the the big question because as of now, I don't think either one of those, either one of the options that we're seeing that are left as the big back sort of options probably can't carry that. And with a team that's going to be down a lot and, uh, potentially passing a lot in those situations, I just see it as being Thompson, but I don't think it's like he's, he's going to, is, I don't think his projection. If you assumed he was going to play the role that he was going to play, I don't think his projection necessarily jumps a lot, but it solidifies that role. And it's the only thing that I can see in that backfield as being, as being worthwhile of, of investing in, at least for now.
3: Uh, just wanted to add a little bit to that. So it looks like, uh, so I was grinding the beat report just because, uh, you know, I mean, this is, uh, we're finally getting a little bit of a trickle of news here. And it sounds like James Robinson, who I, can someone correct me, is he a seventh round pick or is he a UDFA RB? Uh, he was getting uh, some hype and like there's rumors that he might actually see some work in week one, right while Armstead, a very late round pick from last year. It did, did, did fine down the stretch. And then um, you have a divine zigbo but, but realistically, I see this more as a referendum on whether or not they want to move forward with Gardner Minshew. They went out, they got Vizca, they've given him DJ Chark. Um, if nothing else, this is kind of like an asymmetrical upside move for the Jacksonville Jaguars in where wherein um, they're going to be a fairly pass-heavy team, see if Minshew can or cannot be the guy. And if all else fails, at the very least, they're hopefully picking towards the top end of the draft. And this time they're taking either Trevor Lawrence or uh, Justin Fields and not passing on either one of those guys for like a Travis Etienne.
1: I mean, I think the offense has upside. I I know uh, the Panthers have been an offense that a lot of people have picked out. And if you think about the Jaguars in contrast to that, I'm not sure Teddy Bridgewater is any better than Gardner Minshew. We don't really, I mean, we know a lot more about Teddy Bridgewater and what we know, at least what we know so far is a lower ceiling. Uh, Obviously they have DJ Moore, who is great, but uh, bringing in Robbie Anderson, I don't know how that connection is going to go. Um, they may be feeding, uh, Christian McCaffrey as much as they, as they have been doing there. So if you think about yeah the options, they have DJ Chark. He, he might be better than, than DJ Moore, right? I mean, he is, he, he is more of a prototype wide receiver one, uh, Tyler Eifert. Can he stay healthy? Maybe, I don't know. He was, he was one of my favorite guys. Uh, another guy who I think had a t- 2015 had a great season back then and was a top option before the injury, uh, worries. And. Yeah, I, I just think even in the offensive line, which was a big problem for them last year, you know, they have pieces who, who could maybe play well. So I think that team has a lot more upside in offense, and I put them right there. Whereas people talk about the Panthers a lot, they don't talk about the Jaguars at all in that circumstance.
3: Jalen Rager suffered a shoulder injury, and he's expected to miss the next four weeks. Uh, Kevin, with, with Rager expected to miss the start of the season and Alston Jeffrey not expected to be back until the end of September, uh, which pass catcher do you expect to be the biggest beneficiary in Rager's absence?
1: It's interesting because I think it's probably going to be J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, if only because he's going to get a chance to get out there. Um, And when it comes to Deshaun Jackson, I mean, I get that you could say they played, they play similar-ish sort of roles, but I don't think it would have been a situation where one playing would have taken the other out. And Deshaun Jackson, for how great he is, He's not really uh, a target vacuum. And a, I think if there's if there's an absence of someone being there, they would probably filter to, you know, Zach Ertz or someone else, and um, in, in that's in that sort of role. So I think Ertz is going to be there. Everyone expects that Jackson's still going to play his role that he's going to play. Uh, Jeffrey is probably not going to start the season. I don't think that's been made official yet, but that's probably going to happen. And then if you if you believe what you're reading about camp, you know, Arthur White side's supposedly been playing well. He was a guy who, who uh, profiled well as a prospect, but you know, let's, let's be honest. He was awful last year. Uh, He ran a lot of routes without a lot of competition and didn't really do anything. So I I think that he, at least has a chance, you know, there was, there was a question as to whether or not he had a chance going into the season. So because it's such a binary flip for him, I feel like to, to worthless pick to potential pick, um, I'm going to pick him as, as the guy who has, who has the most benefit here.
2: Yeah, I love that Artega Whiteside call. I mean, when you're looking at people who can, uh, somebody who could be like the next DJ Chark, right? A second round pick who has some athleticism and is almost nothing his rookie year and then explodes in year two. I mean, you know, that's not a profile necessarily you want to chase because it doesn't happen all that often. But, but, uh, Artega Whiteside
1: looks like the guy who could, who could do that. Um, and he's cheap, right? So that, that's, you don't want to chase it, but if he's cheap, then why not?
3: Man, he's free. He's just going in like the final round of these drafts. I've got like for a while, I was just drafted. Like, he was an auto pick for me in the 20th, regardless of like best ball, like in my final, in the final round, regardless of best ball platform, just because he was always there. And I was, it was between uh, Ortega Whiteside and Miles Boykin because they both sort of fit that mold wherein um, you've got very good quarterbacks, um, a strong passing game. And this massive uh, divergence between where the primary targets are going and the secondary targets. Like we know the primary targets aren't going to see like 300 targets, right? So where's the rest of the guys? Where the rest of the guys are going to potentially step up? And, and those are the two that I was just sort of hitting. And then I diversified a little bit with Isabella. But um, the, the recent camp reports on, on John Hightower... And if that's, I, I can't remember, I, I just want to keep, I keep wanting to call him Tim Hightower, but John Hightower, I believe has, 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 played like he's made these big, big plays in camp. Uh, Greg Ward is also rumored to be a part of the starting, starting wide receiver core. Um, and, uh, and of course I've just sort of pushed Zacherts all the way up my board. Like, I think I'm like where before this, he was falling to me anywhere at the four or five to like the end of the fifth uh turn uh on on regular p p r sites and i've just pushed him to where i'm taking him in the early fourth just because I think he's going to be the uh the big beneficiary, especially with uh Goddard dealing with a hairline fracture on his wrist um uh you know any interest in goddard at all as like a as like a secondary option or is he just one of those guys where um he just sort of is around and not
1: really going to be a fantasy viable asset I mean I think he could be viable i don't know for some reason he's just not someone who I've bought into um, it's it's hard enough to find the uh, the tight end one on a team that you can that you can see that upside path with um, so when we're talking about this the, the secondary tight end I mean he just seems to me like a play that you're he's gonna be very touchdown dependent you're gonna be hoping that they're they're just running a obscene amount of of 12 personnel which they may um, so I, I think he's okay but for some reason for me I would I, there's so many tight end options I feel like especially the later guys who have a lot, who have this upside that it, w- it would just be weird for me to, to grab the, the tight end too on a good, not not elite offense, as opposed to just grabbing one of these other guys and hoping they can become the man on their respective team.
2: All right, before we get into one of our new games, let's take a moment for a word from our sponsors. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while the dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy, open the DoorDash app, choose what you wanna eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. So don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Visit nflsundayticket.tv and use promo code bluewire. And while you're at it, remember that Rotoviz radio listeners can receive a 10% discount off of a 1-year Rotoviz subscription, giving you access to all our tools and articles. All you have to do is apply the discount code 2020rvradio at checkout. Just go to rotoviz.com/podcast for more information.
4: At RotoViz, we love titles. We love hardware. We love championships. We love winning. And we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you is the Underdog Fantasy Best Ball Mania $1 million best ball tournament. It's $200,000 to first place. It's only $25 to enter. It's a no brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you got to go to UnderdogFantasy.com or download their great Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store on your smartphone device. And you're going to make a deposit. You're going to use code Rotoviz when you make that deposit. Then you're going to go refer five friends, and Underdog and Rotoviz will give you a free entry into the Best Ball Mania tournament. So it's it's kind of like a two for one. You sign up, you put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play, you use code Rotoviz, you get a free entry. No brainer, guys. Let's chase that glory, 200 grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, they've got a $5 tournament called The Bubble, and you can win twenty grand in that bad boy. Their app is slick. You click on the player's name. You see the ownership. You see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product, and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit, and use code ROTOViz and chase that glory.
2: Okay, we're trying out a new game. This week, rookie breakout or fake out, um, Hassan. You want to explain the rules? Yeah. Uh, seeing as how no one really complained about our
3: new game last week, so we decided we're going to create another new game. Uh, this one's called rookie breakout or fake out. Uh, basically, we're going to throw out the name of a rookie wide receiver, tight end, or a running back, and we're going to ask Evan: Are the wide receivers, the running backs, going to end as the as a wide receiver three or running back three or better? And to explain his reasoning behind it, and if it's a tight end, tight end two or better, and why. Um, so with that. Um, let's just jump right into it uh, lions is running back deandre swift returned to practice on a limited basis on monday after missing more than a week with a leg injury
1: yeah you know it's interesting is i'm gonna say well, so i'm sorry i'm saying whether it's going to be an rb2 or better right
3: rb3 so like sorry,
1: um yeah i mean i think swift may make the rb3 but the thing is this goes in direct opposition to my carry on johnson love and the the thing is with johnson i looked at him over the offseason as part of a breakout running back study and then subsequently looking into all the different guys. And I felt like he checked a lot of the boxes, especially someone who had a depressed price as a third year running back who hadn't broken out. So I guess I'm going to say yes, but I don't think that Swift is going to get into that RB one or RB two because um, I think carry on Johnson has a lot more upside than people, the people see right now.
2: Washington running back. Antonio Gibson has received a fair amount of first team reps.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say yes for Gibson, if only because I think he'll grow into that um, uh, having a fair amount of receiving reps there. Although we have to worry a little bit about uh, J.D. McKissick, as surprising as as that may be. So I'm going to say yes, although I think there there's potential to be disappointing out of the box um, when you have this kind of old school ron rivera mentality and he's not going to be able to you know pass block and things like that so i think he could disappoint but maybe be a guy in the second half of the season who does really strongly like uh a la uh, david johnson his rookie year
3: nbc sports peter king cites a Titans source stating that third round rookie running back darren evans has a chance to be a four man's alvin Kamara.
1: yeah i'm gonna say that's a fake out there i mean from what we've heard about evans even though i loved him as a prospect um hasn't been super impressive in camp and if anything, from I'm starting to get into more of the idea of Derrick Henry getting some of that receiving work and maybe having a lot more upside than people think at where at where he's being drafted. I mean, he's being drafted high, but I think his his potential for you know an RB one overall season has gone way up with the fact that Dev, that Evans is kind of disappointed as a rookie. Brian Edwards has been the starting ex receiver at Raiders camp. I'm going to break out with Edwards. Uh, he's a guy who I liked as a prospect. He didn't go too late as a third round pick. And it's really um, a wide receiver core that's devoid of target hogs in there. I mean, I think you're going to see that Waller is probably the guy you can point out at tight end who can really soak up all those targets. But for even though the fact that Ruggs was the number one overall pick, we don't know that much about him. Uh, Hunter Renfro had a great rookie season, largely because there wasn't a lot of competition there. But I think Brian Edwards has has a strong opportunity to come in there and carve out a role as a rookie. The
3: Athletics' John Machado, sorry if I pronounced it wrong, reports that C.D. Lamb has looked comfortable in all formations.
1: Yeah, I think this is a breakout, and I think everyone is probably going to agree there. It's interesting, Lamb's another, when we talk about projections versus where we're drafting someone, it could be somewhat difficult to get Lamb um, projected highly unless you assume a, a pretty strong efficiency. Um, if only because of the fact that he's dealing with a lot of competition in the wide receiver core with Cooper there. Um, but he is just such a good prospect, probably the best prospect to come out this year by most um, analytic measures that I, I think he's, he, he's the type of guy who should be able to step in and produce immediately.
2: The Athletic Stephen Holder said Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is a candidate con- to contribute in the passing
1: game this season. I'm conflicted on this one, honestly, because I love some other guys in that passing game, including uh, Naeem Hines. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know, I'm going to say I'm going to say fake out just just to have fake out on here. Even though I love Jonathan Taylor, I think there are some warning signs for the fact that the way that Mack and Hines can play in that passing game is going to make it difficult. And again, this could be a very early season disappointment for Taylor. You don't know for sure from the fact that he that he didn't have a lot of receiving work in college that he can't do it in the pros, but there have been some signs with the fact that he, in his very few few um, targets as a senior, he he had a he had a handful of drops, and supposedly he's been dropping the ball also in camp some. So I'm going to say Hines and Mac have that have that receiving work locked up, which is going to make it difficult for Taylor.
3: Dolphins' head coach Brian Flores said. QB Tua Tagovaiola, the dislocated hip injury from last season will play a role in picking a Week One starting back. Um, Kevin, how long do you think uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick does hold on to the job this season? And and uh, if if we see Tua this season, who are some of the best comps that you can think for his playing style and who he is as a quarterback?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's going to be shorter, um, a shorter leash for Fitzpatrick than most people do. I know that he's been pretty good the last couple of seasons, but even mixed up in those seasons, a four interception game is always a, a potential at any point. And I, I, the biggest factor that's underweighted when people have these discussions about whether or not a quarterback will come in, presuming they're not designated the week one, started when they will come in, is, is just the fact that you can't really, coaches are not really going to look at the schedule and say, okay, where's the easiest opponent in a home game. Okay, week 5 I'll bring him in rather than bring him in week 4 or week 3. What's going to happen is they're going to play week 1 at the Patriots and they're probably going to lose. Then they're going to play depending upon how bad Fitzpatrick is, uh Tua could be in there. Week 2 at home against the Bills. Um if he's not they're probably going to lose that game to the Bills, too, I think, although we're, I'm not that high on Josh Allen, obviously, as, as many of <laughs> the discussions is. But I, I feel like if they're coming, if they're 0-2, I don't see any reason why week three they don't turn to him against, against the Jaguars, simply because they're going to be 0-2. And if Fitzpatrick has, you know, isn't looking great, the, it, there'll just be too much noise to bring in, to presuming that he's healthy.
3: Yeah, uh, this sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, the Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah. I, I remember just having these discussions with people. just They were like, no, Tyrod can start to like week 10. And I was like, no, they just drafted a quarterback first overall. Like this is not like the leash on Tyrod is so, so short that that you need him to win. And, and I know that he lost a couple of games like like, you know, by like a handful of plays. But at the end of the day, like, your fan base and your ownership, it's fairly results-driven. Right? Like, a win is a win, a loss is a loss. No one cares if it was by, like, a handful of inches or a drop play or, like, a tip back. Well, Tyrod
1: was awful, too. I mean, their defense was was playing well. Their defense was playing extremely well those first few weeks. So, yeah. that Yeah. yeah.
3: And and, and Fitzpatrick, like you said, he has these, like, you know, this compunction to throw interceptions and just play this YOLO style. And this is a franchise that's kind of infused a little bit with hope. They were big spenders on defense and free agency, and I'm sure they want to see what they have in Tua. Um, I was curious, like, who are some of like the best comps that you can think of for Tua like as a as a pro? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's tough to come up with them because he had this extreme efficiency. He also had the running ability. I mean, a guy that came to mind. I'm just not going to go too far back in the past, but a guy who came to mind when I was thinking about drafting him this season, and I wanted to draft him a lot late in some drafts, is Deshaun Watson because when Deshaun Watson was coming out, um, he he didn't look good in camp supposedly. Um, there was a, a DeAndre Hopkins uh, actually was calling for um I don't know why his name is escaping me now. The guy Tom
3: uh, Savage. Yeah, Tom Savage.
1: <laughs> he's like Savage deserves the job. And then what happened? At halftime Savage was at, was gone. So it was like he's our week one guy. And it, so I think there's that sort of comp that you have like this excellent college quarterback who may not be showing everything you're supposed to show in these drills that you have in, in camp and, you know, but you put him on the field and he can do so many different things that you're not going to want him to practice quite honestly, which is move around and make things happen in the pocket, make big, big plays down the field with his arm or, or with his legs. So he, he reminds me of that guy where we saw Deshaun Watson kind of figuring it out as he was going along on the field. He wasn't very good um, in, in, in the early action. Um, against the Bengals, he was bad pretty much other than a 50 yard uh like touchdown run that he had. And then things started to click, and when they started to click, they really started to click. So I think that could be that the path for Tua. It's not this linear progression that some people want to see in camp and they say, How has he progressed from week one to camp to the end of camp? What it is is it's gonna be more of a of, of things are all gonna click in at a certain point once he gets comfortable. And that could happen for Tua a lot quicker than people think. And he has the ability to 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 run, of course.
2: Speaking Sunday, Joe Burrow predicted a big season for slot wide receiver Tyler Boyd. Uh so Kevin, how quickly do you expect Burrow to adapt to the NFL and I guess what elements that he brings to the Bengals offense are you especially especially looking forward to?
1: Yeah, it's weird with Burrow because I mean maybe I'm being influenced too much by a contrarian nature of of what's going on. I mean, I, I in a normal circumstance I would say Burrow is more ready than your typical rookie to go in there and to play he's an accurate guy um i don't know if being older actually helps there's probably no evidence to support that but he is older um so maybe there's maybe there's there's something to that it's really tough to tell with the small sample of these um of these top uh, drafted quarterbacks but i would say the market on him right now is is like everyone thinks that he's gonna he's gonna jump in and he's gonna defy i mean i'm hearing about how the fantasy options are are vaulting forward, and I agree. He's going to be better than the Finley, you know, Ryan Finley led offense, obviously. But he's not better than him. he's. It's it's unlikely he's going to be more fantasy friendly as a rookie than an average quarterback would, an average NFL starting quarterback would be. And I feel like that's built into a lot of the assumptions that that, that people have right now. What he does bring, though, and you know, I have to almost as was with the quotes up here, you know, sneaky sneaky athleticism, aka <laughs> he's white and he can run. Um, so he does, he does bring that, but I don't think he brings it to the level of someone like, uh, like Tua is going to bring. So I guess I would be relatively down on him versus the market, but I recognize that, that he is a guy who who could profile. Well, it's just, everyone is very, very high on him right now.
3: Yeah. Blair, Blair, you and I have talked a little bit about this behind the scenes in slack, but like, uh, Joe Barrow, like everyone's behaving as if he had like one season, uh, as an LSU starter. And like, it's, it's kind of true in that he played like, you know, the whole thing after the national championship, but he played for LSU also in 2018, and he was really not great. He was he was just barely above above average. And um, one of the things that we were discussing was uh, the big change was that Jamar Chase came in and they changed the OC and what have you. But like, you know, I mean, you know, like he completed like 58 percent of his passes, like a, like a 7.5 yards per attempt, like a, like under eight AYA as a as a junior at LSU, and that's like you know is a fairly old prospect. So like. There's there's a handful of red flags where I'm where I'm kind of concerned about about Joe Burrow. I am hopeful that Tyler Boyd just sees like a lot of work because, uh, he's the kind of guy who fits that Robert Woods, Jarvis Landry mold, and like those are the two guys who are being hyped all offseason out, outside of Boyd and Boyd was like the cheapest guy, um, and he was the one I was slamming. But I, I was curious, uh, Kevin, like, what are your thoughts on John Ross or T T Higgins as a potential wide receiver three here?
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't mind Higgins. I would say more than than Ross. I mean, I know Ross had a couple of blow up games at the beginning of of the season, um, but I guess at this point in his career, it just gets tougher um, when you don't see any uh, a, a real sustained breakout, um, and the fact that there's so much target competition there, and the fact that I think they're going to move on from him. It's almost like a, a done deal that they're going to move on with him. So I don't see them in a position to where they're not going to be competing, why they would use him versus using Higgins if they want to, to integrate Higgins into the offense. So I guess that'd be a little bit higher on Higgins. Although again, this is like a, another rookie, another probably second half of the season type of thing. I don't know if I'd invest draft capital in him as opposed to seeing if maybe he's on the wire eventually.
2: Uh, yeah, I want to actually go back to something Hassan you just brought up. Cause Kevin, I know you've done a lot of work, uh, looking at, uh, these rookie quarterbacks coming in and uh how much experience they have how many you know how the uh sort of doing the work on the bayesian priors with aya and stuff so how much does that matter that burrow is coming in with really just one good season and actually doesn't have a lot uh to show on his you know early college resume
1: Yeah, it would matter more if he wasn't so great, so great in that one season. I think that's the part. I think you do. I mean, if he had two seasons like that, then you know that that's something. Um, But he he, I mean, he had he had the the poor performance before. Didn't have a ton of volume though, so that's another thing that comes into it is that he had just at least for for a college uh, for for a college season, he had just a ridiculous amount of volume. So you combine that 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 gives me more comfort. If it was a extremely efficient season on, on lower volume than those types of calculations wouldn't look as good. But I, th- I think Burrow looks, looks plenty good enough from, from that perspective, despite the fact that it's only been only been one season.
3: Yeah. And I, I remember one of your old uh, Bayesian prior posts was basically about Rachel Trubisky and, mm-hmm. and how, you know, everyone's overweighting his one season. And um, I was told uh, from from film grinders back in the day that no, look at this amazing tape that he put together. And now look, now look, yeah. like the guy just just cannot. He's struggling to beat out Nick Bolt. Um I you know I I was kind of curious, like like uh, like because like this one season was just re- so historically efficient. Like maybe this is like you think that that this might kind of skew the model kind of overly positively in in, in a sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think that there's risk in that. I mean, there are kind of soft uh factors that you can think of. And when it came to Mitchell Trubisky, it was the fact that he sat behind uh for multiple seasons, um, a quarterback, um his first name escapes me now, but Williams, who never, you know, never was drafted, didn't make it in the NFL. And you have to wonder like why is that? That that sort of thing. I mean, Burrow, he went you know, he, he had a little bit of a more securitist route. I think he had, there, there, there's some easier explanations for why he um, didn't ascend as, as, as quickly there because he was getting mixed around and he eventually had better performance. So, um, so I, I guess that soft factor that comes into play looks a little bit better, I would say, for Burrow than it did for um, Trubisky, who should have been able to earn the confidence of his coaches and, uh, you know, start before he was a redshirt junior.
2: All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Kevin Cole. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at KevinColePFF. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at Rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage. Rotoviz.com podcast. somebody say playoffs nba and nhl are playing for the gold and our partners at bet online have you covered get in on all the action including a new nba bracket contest with plenty of chances to win mlb season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds futures and props so take advantage of the return of sports and remember the casino never closes check it out all day all night Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.